This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host. Coming to you from ARN Studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Monday morning, the 7th day of August, 2023. And this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. All right. How is everybody doing today? Did you have a great weekend? We had a wonderful day at church yesterday. Um, we had uh, four young men baptized. Um I say young men, they're all younger than me. <laughs> One of them is married with, with a child. But uh, um, but we had four four baptisms yesterday. It was fabulous. Um, after the, uh, and it was the first Sunday of the month, so it was communion Sunday. So we had church and communion, and then we adjourned to Frenchtown Pond where we had, had uh, baptisms and uh, a picnic lunch. Um, it was raining yesterday. <laughs> um, as I mentioned to Pastor Scott, as we were walking out to our cars to uh, drive over to the pond for the baptismal service, with the rain coming down, I said, hey, if we were Presbyterians, we'd already be done. Just walking to the cars would have been enough. But uh, no, we, we follow a Baptist theology of baptism by immersion of believers, professing believers, baptized by immersion. Um, so that was, uh, that was a good day. Um, and one of the young men, there are, there are two young ladies in our congregation. Um, the younger one, it was her 18th birthday yesterday. So happy birthday again, Bailey. But, uh, Bailey's boyfriend was one of the young men being baptized and it was Bailey's older sister who had led the young man to the Lord. So that was, so she had come home from where she lives and had brought her boyfriend with her, who um, none of us had met yet. And I have to give the young man kudos because it's one thing to go home to meet her parents. It's another thing to go home and meet her church <laughs> and realize how many protective father figures there are in the church who uh, step up and, you know. And uh, I told him, I said, just just stay on my good side. He said, how do, how, how do you stay on your good side? I said, you don't hurt her. <laughs> That's the flat-out truth. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I got to give the young man kudos. Um, 
they 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 met at church in Bozeman. They uh, they attend the same church over there and and uh, um, met at church. They're both leaders in the young adults uh, group. Um, so I mean, they're not the pastors, but they're I mean, they're there's no female pastors at that church. Trust me, but they are. Uh, group leaders in in the I guess it's college and career um, although he's not a college student he's a construction worker um, and uh, with no intention of going to college but uh, very very nice young couple and 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 I got to give him a lot of kudos for coming over and facing the gauntlet of meeting her church <laughs> um, as uh, she is a very well-loved, both of the young ladies are very well-loved and appreciated. And uh, so it was It was a good day at church yesterday. Good day at church. I think our uh, youngest baptismal candidate was in the eighth grade. And as I said, the oldest is, I believe he's in his 30s, late 20s anyway. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a very good, very good day at church. Um, we appreciate that. And I hope you had a great day at church yesterday, too. If you were not at church yesterday, yes, I'm glaring at the camera. If you were not at church yesterday, A, repent. B, make sure you're at church next week. And, and you know, even consider going to a Wednesday night service. Hmm. Good coffee. I am drinking um, Glacier Bend from Montana Coffee Traders. This is the subtle vanilla flavored coffee that that I, I just love from from uh, Montana Coffee Traders. I, I'm not a flavored coffee guy, but this it, it's not a real strong. It's just this subtle vanilla in this coffee, and it's it's good stuff. Um, it's it's not I wouldn't want it all the time, but uh, you know, getting a a little bag of it every once in a while and uh, enjoying it is quite good. All right, what do we got coming up today? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, and it's Monday, so we have Monday meanderings. I'm kind of depressed about <laughs> Monday meanderings today. And we'll get to that in a minute. Let us begin, as is our practice, with the Prayer of Confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and apart from your grace there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord, 
Amen. All right, now it's time for our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ by John MacArthur. Today's devotional is entitled Reconciling with Others. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly, I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. Matthew five twenty-five through 26 Dr. MacArthur writes, The time for reconciliation with others is always now, just as it is, with salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. No excuse is valid to allow bitterness, anger, hatred, or any other sin to keep us separated from another person. Jesus illustrates here that we should make good on any debt or settle any grievance before it is too late and we're imprisoned. In the Roman Empire, two opponents at law could settle an issue on the way to court, but not after a judge became involved. To avoid judgment and imprisonment, the guilty person had to pay the last cent, or everything owed in debt. Being thrown into prison and not being able to get out until a debt is paid is Jesus' analogy to the Father's punishment. We can't miss the Son's teaching here. We must make every possible effort, with no delay, to mend any broken relationship with a brother before we can avoid divine chastening and have a right relationship with God. We know that because of sin, none of us is ever completely at peace or perfectly related to another. And since it's impossible to have perfectly right attitudes toward others or God, no worship is ever, ever fully acceptable. All of Jesus' teachings in this passage and the rest of the Sermon on the Mount show us again the utterly perfect standard of God's righteousness and the absolute impossibility of our meeting that standard on our own. Ask yourself, there's no denying the pain of strained and, and severed relationships, but there's nothing like knowing you've done everything you can to make it right. Can you live in the Lord's peace even if nothing changes? Good word this morning. Some thought-provoking words for a Monday morning. Um, all right, Monday meanderings. So I said I'm kind of depressed about this. It's a it's a important topic, and it's it's something that we've mentioned before, and and but it's it's the big news going on right now, and it's the Trump indictments and all the news coming out of Washington, and. I have absolutely no doubt that the indictments of Donald Trump are 100% political. Um, there, there have been other political figures who have done much worse things and had nothing done. There are former presidents who have done much worse things and have had nothing done. Um, this is the first former president to ever be indicted. And currently he has hanging over him, I believe, four indictments. And they're not 
indictments for they they're just you know, the the charges are head scratchers they're they're so obviously politically motivated and the the there's the nature of the charges themselves and I've listened to I'm not a lawyer um but I've listened to lawyers discussing these charges. Lawyers like Megyn Kelly and, and, and uh, Alan Dershowitz and, and others. Um, Ted Cruz, you know, yes, he's a senator from Texas, but he's a lawyer. And these guys are talking about the, the charges like this are, are just not valid charges. Um, and, and so min so much of it is, is just, like I said, head scratching charges. And so it, and, and here's the thing. If Donald Trump was not running for the presidency in 2024, do you think any of these charges would have been filed? Or do you think they'd just been happy to let him go? These charges are being filed in an effort to damage a political opponent by politically activist prosecutors who are allied with the President of the United States. And think this, if the Republicans had not taken control of the House in the last election, in 2022, do you think any of the information about Biden and the Hunter and the bribery scandals and stuff would be being made public? Or the stuff with the weaponization of the Department of Justice, which is exactly what this is because it's the Department of Justice is bringing the charges against Donald Trump. Although, okay, you have the, the prosecutor in New York who is a leftist. You have the prosecutor in Georgia who's a leftist. And then you have the federal prosecutor who is directly beholden to the Biden administration. And so here's the thing. If you look at um, the attorney general is Merrick Garland. And if you think back to the end of the um, Obama presidency, he nominated Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. The Republican Senate, which has to confirm Supreme Court appointments, never brought Merrick Garland to the floor for a vote. They sat on it intentionally because it was the middle of an election year and they were hoping that uh, Hillary Clinton would not win. And so when, when Hillary Clinton didn't win and Donald Trump took office, Donald Trump, as president of the United States, withdrew the nomination of Merrick Garland and nominated his own candidate to the court. Um, and the, the, 
Did he do two or three during his term? I think he did three. But it's the Trump nominees to the Supreme Court who ended up overturning Roe v. Wade and all of this. So Merrick Garland is a far leftist with reason to resent the Republican Party and Donald Trump. He is the Attorney General. He appointed Jack Smith, who is the federal prosecutor, who is bringing the charges, the federal charges, against Donald Trump. And it's, it's pure politics, and it's designed to, you know, in the middle of a presidential election, one of the things Alan Dershowitz said last week when I was listening to him talk about this, he said, if you are the sitting administration and your Justice Department is bringing charges against your political rival who's running against you in the election, it better be a slam dunk. And what he was saying was it better be very serious charges, you know, rape, murder, (laughs) bank robbery, something big, Um, you know, not jaywalking. It better be something big and it better be overwhelming evidence so overwhelming that the party of your political opponent will be on board with the prosecution. This ain't that. This ain't even close to it. This looks extremely suspicious. This is a political persecution. I mean, it's a a prosecution, but persecution. And... When we consider all the things that Trump has been accused of since 2016, when he was, you know, running against Hillary Clinton and all the things that were charged against him that stemmed from the charges made during the election by Hillary Clinton. And we know now that all of those things were false. The the whole Russiagate, Russia collusion, Steele dossier stuff was all absolutely bogus. And that's now totally open and above board. Everybody knows it. It's like the Wuhan lab theory. Remember when COVID came out and everybody's like, huh, Wuhan, China, Chinese have a big virology lab there. I wonder, oh, no, no, couldn't have come from the lab. Couldn't have come from the lab. No, this came from people eating bat soup at the wet market. And, you know, well, guess what? Everybody knows it came from the lab. Um, they knew it at the time, but it wasn't politically expedient to say so. Um, the, the dishonesty in our government is just saddening to me. Um, and, and I, it just tells me that America is, you know, it's another piece of evidence that America is underneath God's judgment. Because when Judge would, God would destroy a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. And we have wicked rulers in office. And so they lied about Trump all during his presidency. Impeaching him twice 
for, you know, just things that were, you know, basically they, they, they impeached him for opposing them politically. It was a Republican or a Democrat-controlled Congress impeaching a Republican president for the crime of being a Republican. Um, you go back and, I mean, that first impeachment, this is the thing that, this here's a good one. That first impeachment of Trump was based upon his phone call with Ukrainian, I think it was the Ukrainian president, I'm not sure, somebody in Ukraine, foreign minister, president, somebody, where he was urging the Ukrainian government to investigate bribery allegations against Joe Biden. What's all over the news now? Bribery allegations against Joe Biden. And look at the the timing of these indictments against Donald Trump. Listen to these dates. June 7th, the FBI released documents to Congress, which they tried to keep, but... Congress subpoenaed them, and uh, if I remember correctly, they had to get judges involved to force the FBI to turn over this stuff. The FBI gave documents to Congress that contained allegations that the Bidens took a $10 million bribe from Burisma. Now, the, the allegation is that the, there was $5 million to Hunter and $5 million to Joe, and the um, the purpose of it was to get the prosecutor in Ukraine who was investigating Burisma fired. Now, we have, there is, I've seen the video, you have too if you've been paying attention. There is video of Joe Biden bragging about getting the Ukrainian prosecutor fired. In his own words, in front of an audience, he was proud of it um, while he was vice president. So on June 7th of this year, the FBI releases to Congress documents alleging this bribery. Documents, by the way, that the FBI had had for a long time. This is not anything new. This is something that had been sat on. And I said, if, if, if the Republicans hadn't won Congress in 22, you know, the House of Representatives, it would still be being sat on, and you would never have seen this evidence. Now, I'm not saying this is, you know, the Bidens have the presumption of innocence. This has not been adjudicated in a court. All of the evidence hasn't been presented. It hasn't been cross-examined. It hasn't been, you know, considered by a jury, but... This is credible evidence that should be, uh, should warrant a further and deeper look and a serious investigation and criminal charges if crimes have been committed. By the way, this is way, way, way more evidence of way, way, way more serious crimes than anything that's been brought up against Donald Trump. So June 7th, the FBI releases these documents 
about the $10 million bribe. On June 8th, Jack Smith, the federal prosecutor, indicts Donald Trump on the classified documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago, knocking the Burisma story off the front page. Um, and when you look at the classified document stuff, you know, Biden had classified documents in his garage. You know, there, there are many presidents who are in possession of, you know, former presidents who have in their possession certain classified materials. It's, it's not unusual. They're not on display in the library, but it's stuff they have. Um, and, and there's been, you know, there's never been a criminal prosecution. There have been requests from the National Archives to return stuff, and stuff has been returned. Stuff, some stuff has not been returned. But it's always been handled, you know, in, in a respectful, polite request there's never been criminal charges filed against a former president about anything, but let alone something like this. So that was in June. Then in July, the 26th of July, we had Hunter Biden's sweetheart plea deal rejected by the court because he was pleading guilty to, I think it was tax evasion or something. No, or was it the gun charge? I'm not sure. But they had... He was pleading guilty to some minor infraction in exchange for blanket immunity for all of this bribery stuff. And the court threw it out, said, no, you can't do that. It was so clearly this sweetheart deal. That was on the July 26th. On July 27th, federal prosecutor Jack Smith added more charges against Trump on the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case. Very next day. Then, just last week, July 30, 31st, Hunter Biden's former best friend and business partner, Devin Archer, who is not a, you know, pure virgin himself. We're talking about somebody who is facing criminal charges for business malfeasance and stuff that I don't believe is related to Hunter at all. Um, but he testified before Congress that uh, Joe Biden took part in more than 20 phone calls with Hunter's business partners. So this is directly tying Joe Biden to Hunter's business in contradiction to what Joe has been saying for years. Well, that was July 31st. August 1st, federal prosecutor Jack Smith indicts Donald Trump for January 6th. The Capitol riots. Uh, if you don't see the political nature of all of this, then I have a bridge in Brooklyn I'd love to sell you. Because you're gullible. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't be be men of Issachar. Understand your times. Um now I'm not an optimist, I'm not a pessimist, I'm a Calvinist, to quote Phil Johnson. 
I believe God is absolutely sovereign over all of these events. I believe the wickedness of our current judgment is judgment from God. The, the wickedness of our current government is judgment from God, without a doubt. But I also pray that God would be merciful and give us a reprieve from his judgment. Um, and, and so that's something that I'm praying for, and I imagine you are as well. Let me just read a couple of verses here. Exodus 23, 8. And you shall not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of the just. One of the interesting things that I believe it was Alan Dershowitz who said it. Um, it may have been somebody else. Oh, I, it may have been... Uh, 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 Clavin, what's his first name? Uh, anyway, it was an interview I heard last week. And the one of the things that was pointed out was the fact that what is being done is undeniably and obviously abuse of power. And the person being interviewed speculated or actually pointed out in the case of, of some foreign nations where similar things have taken place, speculated on the fact that um, the corruption being this public, you know, being, being, you know, virtually undeniable, is actually intentional because it's a threat. See, it, it's a, you know, we can do anything we want and we want you to know that we can do anything we want to anyone who opposes us. So if you oppose us, we will do whatever we need to do to shut you up and get rid of you. And, you know, that it's, two-tiered justice, it's, you know, it's, it's all of that, that we will use the criminal justice system to destroy our enemies. And they're basically saying, not only is there nothing you can do about it, they're saying, you need to be careful or we'll do it to you. I think there's some merit to that thought. It's a scary thought. But you know, it, this is a warning. <laughs> you know, if we did this to you, or doing this to him, we'll do it to you too. And and that's that's something that that we need to be aware of. So, you know, taking a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of the just. Yeah, the the. The, the money, you know, I, I just, it, there, there sure appears to be bribery going on. Now, everybody says, well, you know, and this was something that, that somebody brought up too. They're saying, well, we can't, Biden shouldn't be impeached over this because this happened before he was in office. 
And I'm not sure. Do I have a copy of the Constitution? I had one over here. So that's not it either. Oh. I thought I had a copy of the Constitution sitting around here. And I don't have one within arm's reach. I have multiple copies in my office, but none of them are right here handy at the moment. But I don't believe that impeachment is limited to, and, and, and the, the clause for impeachment says, and I'm, I'm doing this from memory, so if I don't quote it exactly, you'll know, the, you know, everybody talks about high crimes and misdemeanors. But the actual thing for impeachment says is bribery, treason, high crimes and misdemeanors. Bribery, treason, other high crimes and misdemeanors. That's that's the way it reads. Yeah, I'm still looking around for a copy of the Constitution. I've got all these little pamphlets of the Constitution, and there's normally one within reach, but my office is a mess right now, so we'll just leave it there. So bribery, treason, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. But there's nothing about it being limited to their time in office. Because if you... You know, let's say Bob runs for president, and Bob gets elected to the presidency. After Bob is elected and takes office, it comes out that five years ago, Bob committed murder. There's no statute of limitations on murder, and it's incontrovertible evidence that Bob murdered someone. So Bob is a murderer. We now have a murderer in the White House. Well, there's the only way to, to charge him, you, you'd have to impeach him, get him out of office. Then the prosecutors can bring their charges. Well, there's no the fact that it happened before he took office doesn't, doesn't matter. He's a murderer. Impeach him. You know? I mean, bribery, treason, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. That murder definitely falls into that category. And so if the Congress, you know, the, the House indicts and the Senate is convinced that Bob is a murderer, Bob needs to be removed from office and face the justice system for the murder he committed. It's not limited to stuff that he does in office. So... If, and I'm saying if, he's innocent until proven guilty, if President Joe Biden took bribes and acted on them while Vice President of the United States six years ago, you know, he's Vice President for eight years, you know, and, and this seems to have been going on for a long time. Um, you know, even if it goes back to his days in the Senate, if the evidence is there that he is guilty of these crimes even before he took office, that doesn't eliminate the fact that, that A, it doesn't eliminate the fact that you know, he could be impeached over things he did before he took office. It also makes you wonder what he's doing now. 
You know, if he was taking bribery and affecting policy and doing things while he was vice president, do you think he stopped? Oh, now I'm president. I can't do that. <laughs> now he has more power to sell. You know, contemplate that. So, you know, the thought that, that he couldn't be impeached because it didn't happen while he was in office, A, it's like, how do we know it hadn't happened while he was in office? He owns the FBI and the Justice Department that, that would or should investigate such things. What if something's going on now? We don't know. We don't know. It needs to be investigated, especially in light of the stuff that we're learning he did when he was vice president. Um, and, and as I said, this is a depressing subject to me. Um, I mentioned last week or the week before, you know, the, the it couldn't happen here syndrome. And I said, it's happening here. And I really, really, really want to move on to something else. And next Monday meandering, I'm going to do something completely different. Even though there will probably be new stuff coming out this week. I will avoid it for next Monday meandering. Because, you know, while I do talk about serious topics on Monday meandering, I also like to talk about lighthearted subjects on Monday meandering. But... This is the sort of thing that, that is taking place right now. And it says, Deuteronomy sixteen nineteen, You shall not distort justice. You shall not be partial. And you shall not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. Proverbs seventeen twenty three, A wicked man receives a bribe from the bosom to thrust aside the paths of justice. Thrust aside the paths of justice, distort justice. Yeah. Don't be partial. Don't pick sides if you are a judge or a jury or whatever. So this is, this is a serious time and this is something that we need to need to be thinking about. Um, the other thing was there was a, I'm not sure. I think it was Oakland. Um, there was a, um, two, uh, either the owner and employee or owner and family member, or there were, there were two Sikh men who, one of them was the owner of a convenience store and they were being robbed and it's all on video. And the guy was blatantly robbing the place. He had grabbed a trash can and he's filling it with, with cigarettes and other things that he's going to resell. And, you know, they're telling him to stop and you can't do this and everything. Well, finally, and he's saying, basically saying there's nothing you can do about it. You can't stop me. Well, they stopped him. They beat the tar out of him with sticks. And... So the, the, the situation is that the, the store clerks, I think the owner and a clerk or owner and a family member, I'm not sure, but the, 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 the people who were being robbed are being investigated for assault. Well, here's the situation, especially in, in a lot of these districts, the, the, the Democrat-run districts.
the district attorneys in these districts are not going after criminals. Now, Romans 13 clearly says what the job of government is. The job of government is to punish evildoers and protect those who are doing good. When the government doesn't do that, guess what? Eventually it reaches a tipping point and the people take matters into their own hands. Because they're tired of people robbing them with impunity. They are tired of of the lawlessness and everything. And so you start to get vigilantism. And the reason you get vigilantism is somebody's got to deal with these hoodlums. Um, the famous case of the Montana vigilantes, and the Henry Plummer gang. Henry Plummer was the sheriff of Bannock County. And he was the one running the criminal organization. And it reached the point where the people banded together and they got rid of the Henry Plummer gang. And they got rid of them permanently. And they buried them under the earth. <laughs> and because there was no other recourse. And, and so that's what we're starting to see in some of these cities is vigilantism because two things. First off, um, read a report this week that Oakland, and I think this took place in Oakland, Oakland, to properly police Oakland, would require about 1,500 cops. Oakland currently has less than half of that because of the defund the police movement, because of all the anti-police stuff that's come down, you've had police officers leaving the police force in major Democrat-run cities all across the country in droves so that even if the government wants to enforce the law, they don't have the men and women to do it because the people are leaving because they've been so mistreated. I wouldn't stay on a job that I'm hated at. Um, and it's not just the police force. We're seeing the same thing with the military. Military recruitment is down like 30 plus percent. And a lot, you know, and people that were, I've read articles that, that people that were military families for generations are telling their kids don't join. You know, and I, I have been someone who has counseled many kids in high school to think about the military when they get out of high school. Do a term in the military. It'll help you pay for college. It'll do, you know, it'll, it'll let you grow up. It'll teach you a lot. Um, it, it's, a, it's a good formative few years. Um, and I'm, I'm a, I have been a big proponent of that for a long time. Well, I wouldn't push anybody into the military in this environment. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scary time. And so you've got people that, are, that might have been career who are not re-enlisting. You've got people that are encouraging their children not to enlist. 
that a generation ago enlisted themselves. And I was talking to a parent yesterday that, you know, the school system now is not the school system that I was educated by. It's completely different. They're not teaching them the same stuff. And that's a lot of what came out in 2020 when the, the, the school shut down and they went to the distance learning and the kids were zooming into class. Suddenly the parents who were home with the kids were exposed to what was being taught. And they were like, whoa, that's not what I was taught. That's not what they were teaching when I was a student. And that has caused a lot of pushback. And that sort of pushback gives me hope. But our nation is in dire straits. The United States of America is not the nation it once was. Now, it never was, you know, Christian America. Um, sorry, Christian America people, it's just not historically accurate. It never was this, you know, Christian beacon. But it was an awful lot better than it is now. Um, because it did have a biblically-based morality. That's all gone. That has been done away with. And, and so, you know, pray for our nation. Lord, send repentance upon the land. Start with your church. Judgment begins with the house of God. Purify your church and then bring this land to repentance. Um, you know, or <laughs> come Lord Jesus. Um, and I, I think that's closer than, I mean, obviously, just from a purely logical point of view, it's closer now than it's ever been because each day, is one day closer to the time which God has set for the return of Christ. But I'm thinking it's close. I'm thinking it's close. Um, I know there have been bad times before, um, and some of them were pretty bad. And this may be one of those bad times that God takes us through and then there's a another time of peace. Um, we can pray for that. Um, you know, the, the, the idyllic times we think of in history were never idyllic, you know. Um, you know, nostalgia has a, 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 a glossing effect. When you get nostalgic, you remember the good parts and you forget the bad parts. Things have not always been great. I know I, I look back on the 1980s with a great deal of fondness because from 1980 to 1990, I went from 15 to 25. The world was brand new and shiny. The music was an awful lot better than it is today. We had Ronald Reagan in the White House. We had patriotism. We had love of country. We had, you know, so many things that, that, you know, were good. And, but 
we also had problems. None of it was perfect. Um, that was the time when, you know, the homosexual homosexual movement was really getting going. And then you had AIDS. We had all sorts of stuff, you know, I mean, right in the, that was the tail end of the Cold War. And uh, that was probably the closest, um, you know, people look at the Cuban Missile Crisis and that was the closest we ever got to nuclear war with the Soviet Union. But I look at the, the late 80s and I think about the fact that they knew they were losing. Because um, Ronald Reagan's strategy had pretty much been, okay, you guys want an arms race, we'll give you an arms race, we can afford it, you can't. And he was right. And they were trying to keep up with the American military buildup. They couldn't match us technologically. They couldn't match us economically. You know, and so essentially Ronald Reagan bankrupted the Soviet Union. Well, they could have gotten in desperation. They could have launched an attack. And, you know, that that's a real possibility because a lot of people, a lot of nations in history have done that when they know they've been losing. You know, um, look at the, the Battle of the Bulge in World War II. You know, the Nazis knew they couldn't defeat the Allies at that point. That was their last-ditch effort to try to throw the Allies back into the sea. And they really didn't have the fuel and ammunition for it. They had a very, very fierce, <laughs> very, very fierce few days <laughs> and, and did a lot of damage and set the Allied forces back on their heels. Um, you know, it was, it was intense fighting, but... They didn't have the ability to finally finish off the Allies. Um, they really only pushed them back a few miles. I mean, they didn't even get them out of Germany, I don't think. Um, or was that taking place in France? I'd have to look at the map. It's been a while since I've read on that. Same thing, uh, the Tet Offensive in the Vietnam War. North Vietnam had lost. I know this, this shocks a bunch of people who have never studied the war, but militarily, North Vietnam was defeated. They could not match the American numbers or the American technology, and the Tet Offensive was a last-ditch effort to throw everything they could into the fight, and they lost. Everybody thinks that the Tet Offensive was a loss for the Americans and the South Vietnamese. It wasn't. The South Vietnamese and the Americans repelled the Tet Offensive. It was a victory for America. And North Korea, we know for a fact, North Korea was, was ready to start talking terms of surrender. Or at least, you know, negotiating a truce of some sort. A negotiated peace. It would have been similar to Korea. You know, you would have had a divided Vietnam um, because the, the West did not have the will to invade and conquer the North. Um, so you would have had a, you know, divided Vietnam just like you had a divided Korea, um, which was a pretty sad deal. But, uh, 
that would have been the result, which would have been better than the dominoes falling one by one and, you know, Cambodia and he ended up with Pol Pot and the killing fields and all the stuff that happened in the wake of the American withdrawal from, from Vietnam. But the reason America withdrew from Vietnam was political pressure at home. The, and, and it was the, the congressional hearings where returning soldiers like John Kerry, the, the current climate czar, um, testified before Congress. And the North Vietnamese saw this and said they're losing their will to fight. All we have to do is hold out. They had lost militarily. So, so you know, I could have seen the Soviet Union doing that at the end of the 80s, that they would have thrown you know, every last-ditch effort to try to, to you know, and, and a last-ditch effort with nuclear weapons is kind of scary. So I think in the 80s, we were probably closest to that war. Now, everybody said that, that Reagan was the warmonger. He wasn't. Um, you know, they, they all thought Reagan was going to put the, the leftists, those that opposed Reagan, thought he would push the button. He had no intention of pushing the button, but he was ready to defend the United States against Soviet aggression. And so, I mean, but people look at the joke that he, you know, it was a sound check, open mic situation. He was asked to say something before an interview so that they could do a sound check. And I typically use Romans 5.8 <laughs> if somebody's asking me to do that. And I'll say, for God showed his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's my sound check. Ronald Reagan didn't have a standard sound check. He told a joke. And his joke was, I've just signed legislation outlawing the Soviet Union. The bombing begins in five minutes. It was a joke, right? But, oh, what a warmonger. Oh, this is horrible. It wasn't even for broadcast. It was a sound check. But somebody released the audio. Kind of the same thing that happened to Tucker Carlson when Fox released off-air audio of him joking around with his staff and everything and tried to make some big deal out of that. So, stuff to think about. Um, nostalgia can gloss over the truth of times, um, but the music really was better in the 80s. All right, let us recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the tenth Sunday after Pentecost. Almighty and most merciful God, 
It is only by your grace that your faithful people offer you true and laudable service. Grant that we may run without stumbling to obtain your heavenly promises. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Colic for the Renewal of Life. O God, the King Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, You desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home, and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Monday. As I said, sorry for being such a downer. I will try to be more upbeat next week. I will be searching for lighthearted topics for next week's Monday meandering. And if anything new happens in either the Biden corruption or the Trump indictments, we will table that for at least a week. At least a week. I've talked about it a lot recently. I'm getting... I'm not getting tired of it. It's the truth. It's what's going on. But I'm getting bummed out by it. And so I will be searching for lighthearted subjects for next week's Monday Meandering and and maybe even for the next few Monday Meanderings, we will see. Um, There's plenty of lighthearted topics out there, (laughs) so I will try to find them. Um, So, have a great Monday. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.